Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Aesthetic Insider Radio Show. This is your host, Angela O'Mara. Aesthetic Insider is a 360-degree aesthetic medical industry news source. Today, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Marcel Daniels, a plastic surgeon from Long Beach, California, and we'll be, we'll be discussing the best options for cosmetic breast surgery. Dr. Daniels, welcome to Aesthetic Insider. Thank you very much, Angela. So, so, Dr. Daniels, or Dr. D, as I like to call you, um, you know, we're located out here in California. And many of our listeners are across the country, um, but I do, you know, understand that breast augmentation surgery is just as popular nationwide as it is here in California. And so, you know, what would you say for a, um, a patient listening to the show? Um, what are the best options currently available for a patient who is considered any kind of breast surgery? Well, I, what I will say is, obviously, since the economy has improved, more people are turning towards uh, improving themselves, and we've certainly seen a surge in uh, women desiring to enhance their breasts. Uh, a lot has been made about uh, implants and implant choices, and the reality of it is you can make a very attractive-looking breast with a variety of implants, uh, I think the real key is finding an experienced breast surgeon who's going to analyze each patient individually and make recommendations based on that patient's anatomy. Currently, in the United States, there are three implant manufacturers, Allergan, Mentor, and Sientra, and they all make a wide variety of styles of implants. There are round implants, there are shaped implants, there are smooth implants, there are textured implants, there are saline implants, and there are silicone gel implants. And depending upon the patient's anatomy and comfort zone, uh, a variety of implants are used all across the country, and, and some of it's uh, determined by surgeon preference. Uh, you know, I think that you can't make a blanket statement that one implant manufacturer makes the only implants that are worth using. I think all three uh, companies make good implants. All three have been FDA approved. Uh, there's, no, there's no definitive study out yet that would clearly demonstrate one company's superiority in terms of implant durability or implant result. Um, you know, all three of these companies are like car companies. You've got, you've got Lexus, you've got uh, BMW, and you've got Audi, and all of them are going to try to convince you that their ride is the best. And the reality of it is, I think they all make good products. And, you know, in experienced surgical hands, you can get a good result with all of their products. Now, let me ask you, because um, with options for cosmetic breast surgery, um, some options may not necessarily include an implant. Perhaps a patient needs a breast lift or a breast reduction. Um, you know, can we talk about those a little bit too? Absolute, absolutely. Um, all breast surgery 
uh, actually all cosmetic surgery, involves some degree of trade-off. Uh, when it comes to breast augmentation, the trade-off is the fact that there will have to be an incision through which the implant is inserted, and of course, uh, the fact that implants are not one-time devices, that uh, they need to be replaced, and there are potential complications related to using a prosthetic. Then at the other end of the spectrum, that's, that's women that want to be bigger. Then you have big women that want to be smaller. Those would be women seeking a breast reduction. Uh, breast reduction patients, their trade-off, of course, is going to be there's going to be more of a scar for a breast reduction. The typical scar for a breast reduction is around the nipple and down the front of the breast, and more often than not also in the crease. So these patients need to be educated on the trade-off for them, but most of them are so delighted to have smaller breasts that are easier to fit into outfits, easier to be active with, that they don't mind that degree of a trade-off. And then in between, you've got the patients that are probably big enough, don't really want to be any bigger, don't want to be any smaller, but whose breasts, unfortunately, are pointing towards their shoes. And those would be the lift, those would be the lift patients, and those are ones that they share a similar trade-off with the breast reduction patients in terms of the scar. Uh, there's usually a scar around the nipple and down the front of the breast, and often uh, in the crease. Some of those patients, in order to achieve a little bit more superior fullness, have that operation, the lifting operation, combined with an implant. And certainly there's a lot of, not controversy, but differing opinions on what's the safest way of combining a lift with an implant. And I think that also is uh, a link to surgeon preference and surgeon comfort zone. I think that with uh, a small implant, the two operations can be performed simultaneously without much increased complication rate. But for patients that are desiring a pretty significant implant put in, uh, I caution them that it's probably safest to do it in two stages, putting in the implant and letting everything stretch out and then snugging things up over the implant. What the patients need to understand is lifting and increasing in terms of augmenting are operations that are essentially working against each other. The lifting surgery is trying to tighten things up and the augmentation surgery is trying to stretch things out and sometimes compromises have to be made and sometimes those compromises result in a, a less than aesthetically great result. Well, these are like great things for patients to know. Do you have... Um advice to, you know, a woman who was considering some form of cosmetic breast surgery, what would be, you know, the top things that she should look for in a surgeon or the right questions that she should ask? Um, the right questions would be, uh, the top things she should look for, obviously, first and foremost, is board certification by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. Uh, membership in the American Society of Plastic Surgeons would be closely following that number one. But I would say that really a, a, a big criteria, and especially in breast surgery, is someone who has made breast surgery kind of a, a focus in their practice. So an experienced breast surgeon uh, is important, I think, to get consistent results. Uh, so patients, you know, uh, seeing plastic surgeons should ask the plastic surgeon, 
that, you know, is breast surgery a large part of your scope of practice? Is it a primary focus of your practice? Um, breast surgery has a reputation of being somewhat uh, straightforward surgery, but uh, if you, the more breasts you do, the more you realize there are some nuances to it. And certainly over the years, I've become much more appreciative of the nuances to it. Um, unfortunately, among the plastic surgery community, there is some, uh, oh, I don't want to say bad information being passed around, but it seems a lot of surgeons feel that uh, a lot of patients need lifting in combination with implants, but I see a fair amount of patients who've been recommended to have a lift with the implant that, in my experience, really didn't need uh, a lift. So, you know, getting more than one opinion, kind of listening to what the, the different surgeons are recommending and then picking the surgeon that makes the most sense to you, I think, is is also very important for the patients. And now what about downtime? I mean, things to consider, too. I mean, we have, you know, summer's fast approaching, and I know a lot of women, you know, do tend to look to bathing suit weather, you know, for when they want to look good at the beach or at the pool. Um, you know, as far as um, recovery, you know, is there a length of time that you advise patients is necessary? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. The, the reality of it is all for all those women that wanted to look good this summer, they probably should have had surgery in February or March so that they'd have a time to have a very nice mature result. But in terms of absolute recovery, uh, most patients – that first three, four, five days after surgery are a little bit on the sore side. It feels pretty tight. Uh, the implants look very full up top, unnaturally so. And so it takes them about uh, at least a month, but usually two to three months for the results to really settle for their feeling really good looking, going out in low-cut outfits. Uh, then again, some patients their breasts mature a little faster because they've had kids, the skin's a little loose, it relaxes a little quicker. But most patients, at the end of the first month, in terms of activity, in terms of going out, going to the beach, going swimming, being more physically active, they certainly can. But their final really nice aesthetic result may take three months, may take up to six months in some cases. But most women by three months are really getting to where they're going to be. And now um, let me ask you, um, as far as, as like, you know, we did discuss earlier implant choices, but um, mm -hmm. my understanding there are still saline implants available to patients and silicone implants. Um, are doctors still using both types of implants? Do you have a preference for one over the other, or how does that work? Uh, both implants are still in use. Uh, there are some surgeons that exclusively use saline. There are some surgeons that use exclusively silicone. I, my preferred implant is a silicone implant, so I would probably say I use that about 98% of the time. Uh, saline implants are less forgiving than silicone implants, so I think if a patient has fairly thick tissue, a fair amount of her own breast tissue to camouflage the implant, then saline is certainly a very viable option. Silicone is a more forgiving substance, and so it's definitely a preferred implant in really thin patients who you might 
worry about seeing the edges of the implant in a saline implant or seeing the rippling that you can sometimes see with a saline implant. So I think, uh, you know, in my practice, ultimately what I do is I explain the pros and the cons of each implant to the patients uh, and then uh, try to nudge them in the direction of the implant that I think is going to give them the best result. Saline implants were not very popular until the, the early 90s when we had the silicone gel crisis where there was questions about whether these implants were making women sick. And then suddenly uh, no one wanted silicone and everyone wanted saline. And so that led to a big switch. Unfortunately, it took a few years to realize that saline implants weren't a panacea for breast surgery and that they definitely had some limitations. Now with the newer configurations of silicone gel and the ongoing scientific inquiry that still fails to show that these implants pose any significant health risks, uh, obviously more and more women and surgeons are going back to using silicone gel for its more forgiving nature and for its aesthetically superior result in the majority of patients. Now, there has been quite a lot of work, I think, on the part of the FDA, you know, the, um, uh, with regards to silicone implants and lifting the embargo, which I think had been placed on them back in the 90s. And so, as of today, I mean, um, is it a general consensus that um, silicone implants um, are safe and with with limited health risks, or how would you? The the, the general consensus is yes, silicone gel is is safe. I mean, the the silicone implants were banned in the United States in 1992. Then they were reintroduced on a very restricted level in 1997, I believe. And then I think it was 2006, where after the FDA thoroughly reviewed all the scientific data. Uh, that they were re-released for general use, the caveat being you had to be a woman of uh, 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 22 and older. Uh, apparently, there's some, I don't know why, but they feel that women under the age of 22 are not as equipped to make long-term decisions uh, regarding their bodies. So uh, that, that's the only restriction placed on the, the implants uh, from the FDA approval aspect is that they've been approved for women 22 and up. Um, we the, the subject of disease in women with implants has been extensively studied, and it turns out women with breast implants do get a variety of diseases, including autoimmune diseases or fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue, but so do women without breast implants, and the numbers are comparable. So it's tough to say if the breast implants really have any role in promoting or causing any disease entities in women. Uh, my own personal experience uh, of over 20 years using silicone gel has been overwhelmingly positive. So I, I don't have much to work with when it comes to saying, well, it's a, it's a questionable implant. I, I think it's a very good implant, and the overwhelming majority of my patients uh, are happy with that. Now, in your practice, what would you say is the uh, percentage of patients that come to you for breast augmentation? Is is it a primary number? Um, uh, it it's, it has become a primary number because it's like I tell all my patients, my breast patients, that uh, 
I want to make all my patients happy, but I try to make my breast patients a little happier only because my liposuction patients don't tell people they've had liposuction. Uh, my facial rejuvenation patients, my eye lift patients don't tell people they've had that. They just say, oh, no, I'm, I'm sleeping better. Or I changed my hairstyle. But my breast patients, if they're happy, they not only tell everybody, they show everybody. So uh, breast surgery kind of takes on a snowballing effect where one patient tells others, those tell others, and gradually the majority of consults you seem to be seeing are breast patients. Well, that's really interesting. And so you have your your breast patients are easily to showcase, I mean, not just their results, of course, in the clothing, the attire that they wear, but that they're happy to talk with their girlfriends and Oh yeah, the they they let their girlfriends have a squeeze. They take them into the into the restroom to show them. I mean, they're not they're not shy about showing off their results. That's great. That's great. Well, Doctor Daniels, if um, where can uh, our listeners find you? Is there a website, a telephone number they can call? Yeah, we're we're in Long Beach, California. Our website is imagemd.com. That's probably the first place that you can go, and all, all our phone number and how to contact us information is located there. Well, great. Well, Dr. Daniels, thank you so much for being on Aesthetic Insider. Um, I'd love to have you back on the show again, and perhaps we can uh, chat a little bit further about um, further best options for cosmetic breast surgery or another subject. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. Great. Well, Dr. D, have a wonderful day, and thank you so much for being on Aesthetic Insider. My my pleasure, Angela. You have a wonderful day as well. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.